Welcome back to Chasing Dramas, the podcast that explores Chinese history through historical TV dramas. We are here to discuss the next episode of Hougong Zhen Huan Chuan, Empresses in the Palace. This is Kathy. And this is Karen. We left off the first episode on a cliffhanger. Now on to episode two. Our main character, Chen Huan, is being presented to the emperor and empress dowager at the selection, or Xuanxiu, to see if she has a future in the Forbidden Palace as the emperor's concubine. The entire time she is on her knees looking down, as is required by Chinese custom. Basically, you are not allowed to look directly into the eyes of the royals when you are in their presence as a commoner. But she is asked to tilt her head up, and both the emperor and empress dowager sit up, shocked. So, what happens? For this episode, what we'll do is continue on with this scene, do an analysis because there's a lot to unpack, and then we'll do a recap of the rest of the episode and additional scenes we want to discuss. Let's jump right back in. After Jin Huan lifts her head up, we see Yong Zheng becoming very intrigued. The Empress Dowager glances at Yong Zheng. You can see the gears turning in her head. Something's up. And then Tai Ho says this: Jin Huan's last name of Jin is against the law. This is a pretty interesting Chinese rule, in that you cannot have a name that sounds like the emperor. A bit complicated here, since we've been calling the emperor Yong Zheng. Like we said, this is his official name that we in history know him by. But his birth name is Yin Jin. Jin from Jin Huan's last name sounds like Jin from Yin Jin, the emperor's name. By law, you could be punished for it. You still need to change your name, even though the written character is different. Interestingly enough, this rule isn't just reserved for the emperor. It is actually taboo to refer to your family elders like that, or have similar-sounding words in your name. For the emperor who has the mandate of heaven, this is on a much grander scale. So you have to change your name, or you could be put to death for this. Well, that's weird. Given that her father has been in court for many years, and this last name issue has never really come up, Jin Huan, who is still kneeling on the floor. Says that her father got a reprieve from Emperor Kangxi himself, Yongzheng's father, to keep the last name because, and this is additional wordplay, the last name of Jin sounds like Jin, which means loyal, and that's a good thing, and is why this last name should not be a problem. Yongzheng readily agrees, much to the dismay of his mother, because she cannot rebuke this answer. So we have three Jins. That all sound the same, but the written character is different. Yongzheng, now obviously interested, asks Tai Ho, "Do you know about the legend from the Three Kingdoms era? Jiangnan 有二桥，河北真密桥。The Jin family has historically produced beauties." Okay, let's translate this piece. What is Yongzheng trying to say? The first half of this phrase is describing two beautiful ladies from southern China who were very famous in their beauty and marriages during the Three Kingdoms era of Chinese history. That is the Jiangnan 有二桥 piece. The second part of the phrase, Hebei 真密桥 
is describing a beauty from northern China that is named Jin Ni, who has the same last name as Jin Huan, our main character. So Yong Zheng here just used Jin Ni, one of the most famous women in Chinese history, as a justification for praising Jin Huan, with the implication that the Jin family produced beautiful women. Not only that, but the Three Kingdoms era is right at the end of the Eastern Han Dynasty over a thousand years ago, further pushing the link for Jin Huan as a Han beauty. There's this whole history for Jin Mi, the woman that Yong Zheng is referencing in this phrase that we won't get into here. But basically, Yong Zheng is saying that our heroine is related to one of the most beautiful and famous women in Chinese history. Also, I do want to note that Jin Mi is how Chen Jianbin or Yong Zheng pronounces this name in this drama. However, the character I think is actually called Jin Fu. So there's just a little bit of confusion there. In other dramas, it's pronounced Fu, not Mi. Another fun tidbit is that the actress Ada Choi, who plays Huang Kou in this drama, actually played Jin Fu in a Hong Kong DVB drama back in, I think, 2002. And the show was called Luo Shen, or in English, Where the Legend Begins, in case anyone is interested in watching that drama. Well, with this phrase of Jiangnan you er qiao, Hebei zhen mi qiao, Tai Ho, his mother, is extremely disappointed. She drops her eyes, but doesn't want to give up. She needs Jin Huan out. So she tells Jin Huan, who is still kneeling on the floor, to come up and walk towards them. Here is again where I'm talking about the master-servant dynamic. On cue, a eunuch comes up and splashes tea towards Jin Huan's feet. But Jin Huan continues to walk and isn't perturbed. We've got some ominous music in the background as we see how she'll perform. Next up, the Empress Dowager's maid, who has a cat in her arms, literally just drops it near Jin Huan's feet. The cat meows loudly, but Jin Huan is able to keep her composure. Another girl in the background, however, screams from fright. If you couldn't tell, all of these were tests. Tai Ho is looking for literally any opportunity to dismiss Jin Huan. Both the Emperor and Empress Dowager are watching intently. Unfortunately, Tai Ho can't find any fault. Jin Huan is composed and she is smart and elegant. What's interesting is, on first watch, you think that the Empress Dowager is just testing Jin Huan to see how smart she is, how she'll perform. But then, why did Tai Ho bring up the name role? That's a very specific role to bring up. When I first watched this, I didn't really catch it, but she does not want Jin Huan in the palace. Why? If we come back to the scene after watching the series, you'll understand why she's doing this. We won't spoil this right now, but keep this scene in the back of your mind. I do also want to note that you see just how smart Tai Ho is in this scene. She was able to come up with a variety of different tests just on the fly to see um, or actually to push Jin Huan away. And I don't think many people would have been able to come up with the fact that, you know, oh, her last name is a taboo or, oh, let me see, you know, about my cat or about this tea. So it was interesting for us to see just how smart Tai Ho is. 
Yongzheng, who takes cue from Tai Ho that he can continue, again quotes the poem "Huan Huan Yi Niao Chu Gong Yao," but says the next line "Na Jing Chun Lai Yu Jian Xiang Xiao." The first part of the poem we discussed in the last episode, and the next line translates to "But as she waits for spring, the beauty withers." That does not sound very pleasant. That's pretty morbid, actually. Yongzheng says that the Forbidden Palace is perfect for nurturing beauties, and we won't let you wither. This is his excuse to give her a perfume sachet and to say, "We want you in the palace." See, it's very subtle. He uses poetry to convey meaning and to make a point. And with that, Zhen Huan, against all of her hopes. Is chosen to stay, and I guess praying at the temple didn't work. By contrast, the poor girl behind Jin Huan, who got scared by the cat, unfortunately gets punished for it. She can never be considered for the selection again. And at first, I'm like, she's 16. What's the big deal? It's a huge deal because it's a stain on her family. Her family name is pretty much ruined. Losing composure is what the Empress Dowager was hoping Jin Huan would do. If she had screamed, she would have received a similar fate. And with that, Jin Huan is going to the Forbidden Palace. So there are three other ladies that we know of also entering the palace from this Han banner selection: Shen Meizhuang, An Lingrong, and Xia Dongchun. Karen, what do you what do you think? How do you think she did? <laughs> So I think in this scene, Jin Huan tries really hard to not be selected. Her clothes and her hair are very simple compared to some of the other very extravagant pieces that other ladies are wearing, and she also recites poetry, something that you know other women were perhaps told not to、um, display. But I think this scene is going to show that this is her fate. No matter what she does, she was going to you know be selected、uh, to be a concubine in the palace. However, I will say she could have, you know, screamed in front of the cat, or you know, just done something simple. I don't think she would have gotten punished as severely as the other girl who screamed. But who knows? I mean, she may have just been trying to protect her family,、um, just in case, you know, she receives a similar fate. Overall, I don't think she tried that hard to not be selected. Okay, let's recap the episode before diving into other scenes that we want to discuss today. The Empress and Emperor decide on the titles to give to the new concubines. Jin Huan returns home to her parents and younger sister, and she's very sad that she has to leave her family for the palace. Hua Fei gets mad about another concubine and decides to take it out on poor Fu Zi, the servant girl that Huang Ko had given her to learn manners in Episode One. We also see our first formal Hougong court greeting, or Qing'an. We get to meet most of the ladies in Hougong, and again, we will see fireworks go. We also get our first glimpse of Hougong alliances. We'll dive more deeply into this scene, so we won't give away too much right now. At home, Jin Huan invites An Lingrong to stay with her before entering the palace, so that they can prep together. Jin Huan's father comes to give Jin Huan some last-minute advice on doing well in the palace, and hopes that she has at least a peaceful life, which is pretty touching. 
But then he drops a huge bombshell. Huan Bi, one of Jin Huan's two main servants, is actually Jin Huan's half sister. Her father basically got Huan Bi's mom pregnant and couldn't bring her back because she was the daughter of a convicted courtier. So he brought back Huan Bi, the daughter, not the the mom, to be a servant in his household. That's kind of a scummy thing to do, but hey, it's not his drama, so we'll move on. An imperial proclamation is delivered to both Jin Huan and An Yong by eunuchs from the palace, telling them what their title is and when to enter the palace. A senior servant is also sent from the palace to teach the two ladies palace etiquette, which is pretty much a plot device for us to learn what's going on in the palace. She explains the rank system of the consorts and what it takes to be called a niang niang. We'll re-explain this, but essentially there are varying ranks of concubines in Hogong based on factors such as your matrilineal line, your birth banner, for example, whether or not you're a Han or a Manchu or Mongolian, your wealth, and a few other things. Additionally, we find out that the emperor was previously married to his first official wife when he was still a prince. He was very much in love with her, but unfortunately, she died while giving birth. He has been heartbroken ever since. The current empress, or wife, is the first wife's sister. He respects her, but it doesn't seem like there's love, unfortunately. In the palace, we also find out that Hua Fei, in her jealousy, purposefully put Jin Huan, who Hua Fei already knows is of interest to the emperor, in a living situation that is very isolated and destitute, and far from the emperor's palaces. When Huang Hou, or the empress, finds out, the only thing she can do is sigh and sees if she can spruce up the place to welcome Jin Huan. The episode ends with Jin Huan heading off to the palace, saying goodbye to her parents and her much younger sister from the same mother. So with that background, let's discuss our first scene. The scene that I want to discuss is the one that takes place right after the selection and the ladies go home. It's at night and we are at Yongzheng's primary residence. Yongzheng is still quoting the line in the poem that Jin Huan used to describe her name. He seems pretty smitten. Wang Ho comes in to congratulate him on the new ladies, saying that the whole palace is talking about how the emperor met many beautiful women and that he's very happy. Ugh, can you imagine that being discussed today? How weird, like your wife coming over being like, oh, all of these new ladies that you can now, you know, spend, spend the night with. <laughs> She begins to say Jin Huan is rumored to look like, but Yong Zheng stares her down and she does not finish the sentence. He, he says that Jin Huan's eyes are similar and that's about it. But the emperor says that's already very rare. Similar to whom? What's the story there? And is this related to Tai Ho's behavior earlier during this election? Now, this is why I really wanted to come and discuss this scene. Wang Ho comes in to not only congratulate the emperor, she has other business to do, namely managing the titles of the concubines coming in. She asks what title Yongzheng is looking to give Jin Huan. He says, let's give her a title of Guiren, which is actually a very high rank and translates to noble lady. 
And I love Huang Ho's response. She says, that's great. We have a Mongolian woman coming in with the title of Guiren, a Manchu woman coming in with that title as well. Now we will also have two Han ladies coming in with this title. The emperor asks who the other Han Guiren is, and we find out it's Shen Meizhuang, the childhood friend of Zhen Huan. Huang Ho then says, the rank of Shen Meizhuang's father is much higher than Zhen Huan's. And here's where we see Huang Ho's savviness. She says, I understand that you, as the emperor, value the Han banner families, but the intermarriage between Mongolians and the Manchu has been tradition. Wouldn't it be too conspicuous if there were two Guiren from the Han banners? Yongzheng agrees to that. He sees her point and demotes Zhen Huan to one step below to Changzai, or first-class female attendant. So what did Huang Ho just do here? She didn't outright say that she didn't agree with giving Jin Huan the title, but she came at it from a political perspective. Currently, it's unclear if she's doing this for the sake of the royal family or maintaining balance between the banners or for personal reasons, but you can again see that she's very savvy for both handling Hogong and political matters. Even though Yongzheng demoted Jin Huan, he still gives her an official title with the name of Wan. So how it works is that generally you are called your rank plus your last name. Or actually, you're called your last name plus your rank. If you're special, you get a special title with a character bestowed upon you by the emperor or the empress dowager. Huang Ho asks if this Wan is referring to a Tang Dynasty poem but Yongzheng says no. He says, I just like the way she smiles. This one is actually super significant. And there's another reason why he chose this. But we also won't discuss this right now. And with that, we get the rank of Shen Meizhuang. We get the rank of Jin Huan. We still have yet to find out the ranks of An Ningrong and Xia Dongchun. But we know that there are two other ladies from Mongolian banners and Manchu banners coming in. Um, from the selection. With that, we have the titles and whatnot of the new ladies coming in. The main scene we want to discuss now is the first official Qing An. It is the Hougong version of attending court. What happens is that the ladies of Hougong are expected to quote-unquote greet Huang Ho every morning. There is a lot of detail here. Huang Ho sits at the head of the room the other concubines sit according to their corresponding rank, with the highest ladies below Huang Ho sitting closer to her. The scene opens, and Hua Fei, our lovely Hua Fei, is the only one late to Qing An. All of the other women in Hougong are already there. We currently see a total of five ladies in addition to Huang Ho. In the grand scheme of things, that's not huge for a Hougong. Yongzheng's father, Kangxi, had 55 or so children, 50 plus children. There's definitely more women than just the six that we see currently in Hokong. There is one consort, which is the same rank as Huafei. Her name is called Qifei. Two women who are one step just below that with the rank of imperial concubine or Pin. They are called Jinpin and Li Pin. Next is a noble lady called Cao Guiren. And finally, a first-class female attendant called Xin Changzai. So I also want to note 
Tao Gui Ren, and Xin Changzai do not have special titles. So Tao is her last name, her rank is Gui Ren. The first class female attendant is Xin, that's her last name, Changzai is her rank. The two imperial concubines, however, Jinpin and Pin, those were special characters bestowed upon these two ladies for their rank. There is also another consort who is sick called Duanfei. So in total, in this Hougong, there is one Huanghou, the empress, and seven concubines. Huafei is late, and Huanghou's servant suggests that they finish the Qing'an for today. Huanghou holds her ground. She is the empress after all. Huafei is just a consort. She must come. Tea is served for the ladies, and the ladies begin some small talk about the favoritism of Huafei. Huanghou obviously hears all of this. Well, Huafei struts in not too long after. Pay attention to the etiquette in this scene. When she arrives, the four ladies who are of lower rank get on their knees to greet her. Tifei, who is at the same rank as Huafei, curtsies but doesn't get on her knees. Huanghou, obviously with the highest rank, does not get up at all. Tifei is actually older than Huafei. It's already impressive that Tifei is curtsying at all. Huafei doesn't even take time to breathe before launching into her attacks. The first thing she does, she turns around to one of the ladies, Xin Changzai, and says that it seems like her health is improving, coming to Qing'an so early. But Xin Changzai isn't about to get bullied. She thanks Huafei, but says that even though she has felt a little off in the morning, she can't be late to meet Huanghou. If you couldn't tell, this is a slight nudge to Huafei for being late. We find out the reason why Xin Changzai is unhealthy is because she's had a miscarriage. Huanghou thanks Xin Changzai, much to the chagrin of Huafei. I feel like Huafei just wants to stir up something every single time she walks into Huanghou's palace. She's just like, you know what? I'm going to say whatever I want and start bullying whoever I want because I can. <laughs> yeah. I mean, kudos to her, man. I don't think I could be able to do that. <laughs> So everyone at the behest of Huanghou sits down. Huafei gives this half-hearted curtsy to Huanghou, and she is also given a cup of tea. Huafei raises the cup and takes a whiff, only to say that this seems to be last year's longjing cha, longjing tea. No matter how well you try to preserve the tea, there will always be a moldy smell. She has actually given her batch to her servants. If Huanghou needs new tea, she can always give her some more. If you couldn't tell, this was definitely an insult, saying that, ugh, how can you have this old stuff? I've already given it to my servants. What kind of empress are you? Huanghou continues to smile serenely and brushes it off. Evidently, she's prepared for this remark. She tells Huafei that she's also been gifted some of the newer tea by Huangsheng, but has decided to give the new tea to the third prince, who is the son of Tifei, saying that the third prince liked the tea a lot, but didn't want to bother his father for something so simple. Huafei says that if the third prince likes to read and is a good student, then she's sure that Huangsheng will gift everything to the third prince, and smirks while Tifei scowls. The reason behind this is that the third prince, even though he is the oldest, is not the smartest person and not the favorite of the emperor. Implicitly through this conversation, we find out that the first and second princes are no longer alive. 
I want to note that the princes are addressed primarily by their birth order. Even if a prince dies, the birth order does not change. This is why the third prince is the oldest, but will not be called the first prince. Evidently, Huafei wants to change the conversation, so she discusses the fact that Huangsheng ascended the throne very quickly, and not much has been done in terms of renovation in the palace. She says that it was a pity that Huang He must live in her current palace, called Jinzhengong. She'll pick a day to come help Huang He refurnish her palace to be nicer and to let her live more comfortably. Here again, Huafei is being disrespectful to Huang He by implying that her home is too modest and that she needs Huafei to help her with renovations. But instead of being offended, it seems that Huang He knows how to fend off Huafei. She serenely and calmly says that Huangsheng just came to power. Everything is supposed to be simplified. The renovations can be discussed at a later date, thereby calmly not accepting any help or humiliation from Huafei, and also implying that having a modest palace is actually more accepted. Huafei, on the other hand, says that she feels bad that her own palace Yi Quengong is so extravagant. She feels a little self-conscious that every time she comes to Huang Ho's palace, she sees a less extravagant palace. Here, Tifei chimes in, obviously annoyed that Huafei made all those jabs earlier about her son. She says that Huafei lives in Yi Quengong, which is where the previous emperor's favorite consort, Yi Fei, had previously lived. Huang Ho then says that Yi Fei had a lot of sons, so the previous emperor definitely favored her. And that, look at what you have, Huafei. This is a compliment. This is, this is good news for you. After hearing this, Huafei gets up and says she wants to leave. Like what? Li Ping, one of the ladies in the group, shoots a glance over to Cao Guiren and also gets up to leave shortly after. Cao Guiren doesn't immediately leave and waits to be dismissed with the other ladies. So here you see the women partitioning off into factions. Li Pin is with Huafei, and it seems like Cao Guiren is as well. However, Cao Guiren isn't as obvious. She hedges her bets and doesn't leave to follow Huafei until everyone else is dismissed. Once the ladies leave, Jian Qiu, who is Huang He's main servant, comments on how rude Huafei is. Jian Qiu notes that their palace is the best because Huangsheng personally bestowed it to Huang Ho. It's a completely different story outside. Huafei is livid that Tifei and Huang Ho used the comparison because the previous occupant, Yifei, did have a lot of sons, but the sons also committed treason and led to the downfall of their mother. How dare Huang Ho curse her in this way? See, these aren't outright insults. These are anecdotes. If you don't know them, you'll be viewed as an idiot. But if you do, you get the insult. Man, I couldn't insult someone this way. This is, you know, learning a lot of technique here. Li Pin is walking next to the carriage that is carrying Huafei and tries to assuage her, saying stuff like, you know, Huang Ho is not the favorite. You are. She can't do anything to you. Huafei's servant also adds that their palace Yi Quengong is the only one that has the word Quen, the same word that's in Quenningong, which is where Huangsheng and Huang He were married. So you see how much the emperor values you? 
Quanco doesn't even have this privilege. Huafei seems mollified and much more pleased with this answer. How fantastic was this scene? We are introduced to the ladies of Hogong. We see the power dynamic between them. We also see how quickly some of these ladies have to think on their feet. Everyone knows the hierarchy of Hogong, but they are all vying for attention. There's always competition, and the emperor is the prize. But how do you make those alliances? Huafei obviously has Xin. Um, Huafei has Li Pin and Cao Guiren on her side. Do we know who is on Huang Hou's side? It seems like it's Xin Chang's side. And Qifei. Yeah, and Qifei. And it seems that subtle words have huge implications, and you need to really know the background and history of the stories within Hou Gong, or else, like Huafei, you might not get it, or you do, and then you get really mad either way. But you can't say anything because when Tifei and Huang Hou said it, you can say, you can, they can easily say, we didn't know the actual story. So this was a very well-meaning statement that we said. And Huafei just can only get mad at herself. She can't really tattletale on, on anybody. And I must say that even though Jin Huan is the main character of this drama, it, it is named after her after all, um, Huafei is just so entertaining to watch. She is so arrogant and so domineering. And the words that people describe her, um, this character is Xiao Zhang Bahu, which literally means arrogant and domineering. Um, she's just so entertaining to view on how she handles certain matters because she is able to pull it off. I don't think anybody else in Hogong is able to behave and act the way she is. And she benefits from um, a really loving the emperor. It's very clear that she really cares about the emperor's affections and B, you know, she is beautiful, but also has family connections. And we will see how this benefits or hurts her in future episodes. But overall, the character of Huafei is just very entertaining to watch. And I just enjoy seeing her every time she's on screen, even though she is a big bully. And with that, we have concluded our recap and analysis of episode two. We look forward to having you with us for the next episode where we see Jin Huan and the other young ladies enter into the palace and see what kind of shenanigans they get up to. Until then, thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dramas. We look forward to having you with us on the next episode.